coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios. This is Old School. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves, that, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Let's bring him in. Let's bring him in. Barry Thompson, Fairfax Football Academy. BT! Listen, I mean, anything going on in Nebraska, I mean, I hear about day drinking, I, you know, you're leaving PBR out of the beer review. Uh, anything happening with Husker football this week? No, no, not, no, okay. not a thing. Not one thing. Nothing, <laughs> sir. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sir. Started this week, and it's, it's been busy. It, it Look, man, through all of this stuff, see, I was going to start in a different place. But let's Go get ahead. to it because I know – no, no. no. I know one thing about you that I know more than any other. As a basketball coach, you had one rule, and there were no offensive rebounds a lot. Like, I know that that's a thing, and you were purposeful about it. So And there was one more, and there was one more because I, I didn't get to see the game, but I did go back and look at the highlights. And early on in the highlight clips, there's another rule that I had too which is we don't allow anybody down the middle of the lane. Oh, I don't man. care what defense we're playing. Man. Yeah, I know. Man. I know. Yeah, I mean, I just I, like I'm, I'm watching it. But, but and Barry, in truth, in absolute truth, I'm in the building, and we've been in many of these buildings. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you would look at me like, well, what do you think? And I'd just shake my head because the vibe was wrong. Right. The vibe was wrong. Like the vibe was wrong. It, there, it was all that thing that happens when you're distracted by the first time you're, you know, the people get to see you doing this thing, right? The first time you wear right. that uniform in that building with that crowd and all the other stuff takes over and the you forget to play. Right. That's how I would describe that. We've been in that well, room I, many times. Well, actually, let me tell you the order. Uh, we, we knew the game was going on, we, Cindy and I, and – we're sitting around, we, you know, we were looking for it, and I said, well, we'll probably get on the computer. And we got lost, but I went back. And so the first thing I saw was the press conference, and I saw that face mm-hmm. from the coach, right? It's early. He knows it's early, but there was some disappointment there. And he kept mentioning physicality, and I'm like, okay, well. Then I went and looked at the highlight tape, and you talked about my rules. 
One was that I don't care what defense we're playing, nobody's allowed down the middle. And I, like I'll say this to your listeners, I'm not talking about in the 1980s, Knicks, Bulls were, you know, busting, cutting stitches. I'm just saying that nobody, somebody should step in, somebody should contest, somebody should cut off. That's what I meant. Mm-hmm. And then I understood what he meant about the physicality. They're, they're in all of these sports at the high levels, there has to be a certain grittiness involved to your approach, a certain determinative physical approach to the game, you know, whether you relate it to the Huskers and the run game and things like that. But there's got to be this determinative thing that you're setting up. You know, when you and I coached together, it was your trap system that, you know, and it was going to be hard. Same thing with baseball. You know, you've got to be strong up the middle. You're just not going to get easy hits. You've got to hit it to these other parts of the field or you got to swing at other pitches if you think you're going to get a hit. It's all of these sports that kind of physical determinant grittiness is the only way out. A team has to be built around this. The good news about this basketball team is I really think they all have those elements. They didn't – maybe they were kind of caught off guard that it was going to be a show. Mm-hmm. And maybe from this they learned, hey, we got to get out and do – got to play the game this way. It was it was interesting to watch because we've been in that space where and I I told the story on air the very next day I said uh, on a team that would eventually win the state title win back to back regional titles and then a state title right in that program that as a habit not on purpose but as a habit these teams would lose in their opening season tournament and the athletic right. director would lose his mind and the fan base would lose its mind. And we would just look at them like, nah, nah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like don't relax, right. like 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 no, right. like we know what we're doing. You just have to get there and trust it. But then I also remember, like literally having to battle an athletic director over losing these 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 tournament games, and it just it was my. He's like, well, why don't you pick somebody you can beat? And I'm like, well, we did. We just didn't beat him. <laughs> like, right. That's it. I, I remember him losing his mind against – it was a December game, not the tournament game, but it was a December game against a team that, that threw a 2-3 on him that wasn't any good. Mm-hmm. And that night the guys just kept shooting and missing, shooting and missing, and this team that shouldn't have been on the field with him, you know, lost the game. Now, he kind of lost his mind that night. But your point is when you have a good team, you have a good team. It's not, it's not one game determinative. This is a good team. I think, and I, I'm going off coach's cue now. He said, "Hopefully, we learn that lesson. This is a, this isn't like you have to go three months to teach these guys. They know how to play hard basketball. They just didn't do it." Yeah, I, I think that's what it is. And then we've also been in that space where the program head has to make changes in order to keep his job. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And you and I have also been in those rooms where we've been asked to come in and fill in for folks. Right. Um, right. You know, hey, come here and get us right without determining what right was. And so I'll ask you, can the ch- coaching changes mean anything if you have not determined what you were trying to change in the first place? Always a good question. Um, the let's 
when when there's a head coach, let's just talk. I always say this because I've had the fortune of sometimes in the same day um, of changing roles. So being at the top, then, you know, going across town and I'm an assistant and then, you know, being a head coach. And what I always say is the global view of the head coach or whoever's at the top is way different. Scott Frost's global view of how things are going and what needs to be done are different. And Trev Albert's global view of what, you know, hopefully they align. What you hope out of this experience comes is that if Scott was going about this the wrong way, not necessarily with the wrong people, but if he was going about this the wrong way, that this is a time where he, he realizes that it was, and he needs the correct course, mm-hmm. right? So that when the next people come in, who may not, by the way, may not be as good as the other people left, that can happen too, but that he operates better. And, and, and what I say in football, and this is, comes from uh, Coach Bowden, Bobby Bowden, he said that the, in football, the more responsibility that you get, the less that you coach and the more that you're problem solving. Mm-hmm. So when you look at this big program, right, you, it, it, I, I don't know how you coach and operate this whole big machinery. So the terms have been thrown around a CEO coach. Well, what do you think Nick Saban is? Mm-hmm. What do you think Urban Meyer was? What do you think Chip Kelly was when he was on a run? What do you think Mac Brown was when he was on a run? They, they are running a corporation. And they have senior vice president, and they're held accountable for productivity, which doesn't always happen a lot in our world right now, right? We live in a world where people get second chances. But this game, there is a result, and you're held accountable for it. So it really has to go with how Scott, and I don't know what he was dealing with, but how he was operating that whole thing. That's a big responsibility. You bring new people in. I think I'm getting to your answer. Mm-hmm. But if you don't operate it in a way that's going to be effective for the program, the change won't matter. And here's the here's the, the tough part about that. There are elements of this team that have continued to get better. Even the offense has continued to get better. They have played competitive games against top uh, top opponents. What they haven't done consistently is get get across the finish line first. And, you know, I've always said the hardest thing to do in sports is to, is to finish. So with this change, is it, is it a matter of his different people doing the job? Is it a matter of Coach Frost operating this a little bit differently? Right? And then is all that going to lead to the results that everybody wants? Everybody wants. Uh, Trev wants it. Coach Frost wants it. Everybody's working there. The, the analysts want it. The players want it. The fans want it. Is this going to lead to those results? That's the big question. Barry, when you make a change like this or changes like this, that is a statement that there are a lot of things wrong mm-hmm. and that you're going to set some accountability in place. But I still haven't heard accountability for what? Like, are you tr- like what are you going to do now and what does that make you become? Like, what are you trying to become? Are you trying to win Big Ten, Big Ten West? Are you trying to win six football games? Are you trying to win 
the Big Ten Conference. You're trying to get to the playoffs. You're trying to score 30 point, 35 points a game. Uh, you want NFL-type players to come to your program. You know, you, you want to get NFL receivers to the league. Uh, you're trying to get back to the glory days of putting running backs in the NFL. None of that's been dis- disclosed. So I don't well, know I, how you can fill up I, those spots. I, I, think, I think it has been laid out. If I heard correctly, uh, Trev Albert said he was looking for incremental improvement. Okay. I think that's the phrase that he said. Okay. So when you look at the consistent failure in the crucial parts of the game, that's not incremental improvement. So he, he, he kind of chose some special words there, mm-hmm. incremental improvement. So, you know, he, he, he leaves himself a lot of room as to how to judge incremental improvement. Well, final so improvement. Go, <laughs> right, so they go play. They go play. Right. And, you know, I don't know if incremental improvement means they lose the game in the last 90 seconds. That <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, Trev, uh, I'm just sitting from afar, and I don't know what I'm saying, but from where I sit, Trev, Trev ain't no fool. Right, um, right, right. So, you know, and, and, and Coach Frost has to understand that. Like you yeah. say, you're saying, yeah. look, you, know, you you lose the game because you missed one field goal instead of three. Yeah. Okay, got you, it's, got you. And so let's put it in a box. Coach Ross has to go win some games. That's what that means. Even though Trev uses, I'm looking for incremental. <laughs> no, because I'm serious. You know, their, their schedule, and and I'm not crying for anybody. You're FBS. Put on your big boy pants. Put on your big boy pants. Go play football, right? Right. right. And and you want to say, hey, we have this type of. Class. I don't care what type of class you got. You're playing Ohio State. You're playing Michigan State. You're playing Michigan. These are ranked teams. Okay, so what? You're playing Oklahoma. Good. Go get them. Yeah. You want to be team. You got to play good teams and you got to beat them. All right. So it was great that they were competitive in that, right? Maybe a little unexpected, but then eventually, you know, then you do that against Purdue, you know, it just starts working against you, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter that Purdue are the spoiler makers, not the boiler makers Mm -hmm. this year. It doesn't matter. It starts working against you. And so this incremental improvement that Travis laid out, (laughs) to me, it translates to winning. You've got to find a way to win those games. And it is the hardest thing for me in sports to do is to win because where are you and who are you doing winning time? Not everybody, right. Wants to be involved in that part of the game. No, <laughs> they do not. They do not. You know, we, the, my, my guy from ESPN calls it lemon booty. Uh huh. It, it puckers up and you can't pass diarrhea on some guy. Right. Right. But, but you know, and so, so that's, that's the measuring stick. That's the measuring stick, and, and uh, it, it's going to translate to winning games. And, and, and that's what everybody wants. I mean, forget the salary and all this stuff. There's no way that Chris Frost doesn't want to win football games. There's no way there's this. You know what I mean? Everybody wants the same thing. So is this the crew? Is this the guy to lead them in that direction? Yeah, it's that thing. We're talking to Barry Thompson from Fairfax Football Academy. Barry, there's been a lot of talk about offensive coordinators. And, again, when you're a head coach and you've been the offensive coordinator, it's a tough thing to do. Yeah, you know this personally, that some head coaches say they want to give up the responsibility, but they don't really want to. For you, who are guys around the country that, you know, for Nebraska fans, right, somebody that you could bring in who who could help this program be the greater version of itself? 
I, I, if I was that up on it, I'd be knocking on Trev's door and I said, Trev, I got your answer. You need to cut me a check. Right? Like, uh, I, I, I but, stay but, away from it. Right. But here's here's the point I think that's, that's really important. And uh, the salaries and everything that was kind of revealed when these guys were let go kind of exposed. What is critically important in coaching isn't necessarily the money. The money is good. And it is not the title. It is the authority to coach. You can give me a title, not give me a title. You can call me a volunteer, pay me money, not pay me money. But are you going to give me the authority to coach my guys, to coach my unit? That's what's really important. After that, after you give me the authority to coach them, then we can start talking about titles and money and everything else. And so I think what what needs to happen, and, and a lot of this is sometimes tied to money. What got revealed is that however these guys got here, they weren't at the upper end of the pay scale, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that just because you pay more, you get more. But what we do know is that a guy that's at the upper end of the pay scale, if you're going to make him move, he ain't going to make a lateral move, and he ain't going to make a move that's less than. Right? So he's going to sit in that interview and says, and one of the first questions that come across, am I going to be able to coach my guys? Are you going to leave me alone to coach this? How is this going to work? How is practice going to work? You know, what's involved with recruiting? He's going to ask some way different questions than some, some neophyte that's coming in there. And, um, you know, that, to me, that's what's really important. You know, when you're at the top of the heap, I, I don't understand. Maybe my brain's too small. But if you're sitting at the top of a, um, a FES program, I don't know how you coach. I know we see shots of Nick Saban in spring practice saying something to the defensive backs. But don't tell me that Nick Saban coaches the defensive backs mm-hmm. at the University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. There's too much going on. Yeah. You, you can't. The, when you ascend to that level, the, the, the thing I think that is primary is that you are the leader. You're setting the course, and you're coaching the coaches, and you're holding things accountable, and you've got other people because you, you look at the size. and Coaching itself is all-encompassing. And now you're going to put in, i got a consultant staff, and these people send me information. I've got recruiting i got to worry about. You know, what's going on, setting up the camps and all that kind of stuff, the administrative office there. I've got, you know, the Board of Regents. I've got league responsibilities to do. I've got media to do. You feel me? Yep. That's a lot. And if you're trying to coach on top of that, God love you if you can do it. (laughs) I'm not that good. I'm not. Yeah, to do it and and to do it well, which is, you know, and to do all of it well. Yes, any of it well. I mean, I don't know how you do any of it well when the pallet's that full. I, I, I just don't think you do. I mean, maybe you, you know, you got a dog at the house, maybe pet him every day, maybe you do that well. But, man, you, you that's a full plate, DC. It really is. Yeah, and I, I, I think I've been good about staying away from the list of OCs. There are guys who I like the way they call plays um, and I like the way they scheme. Most of those people are under heavy contracts, more than Nebraska's going to pay, and they're not leaving. So then you got to find a guy that fits what Scott needs. 
if Scott knows what he wants. Right. <laughs> and it fits right. what he and Trev have agreed to. And right. this person is not married to a program that he can't escape from or won't escape from. So, Right, which means you're going to have to go down a level, right? UVA did that a little while ago with their basketball program. And they mm-hmm. went all the way out to Oregon. And when they hired uh, Art West, when they hired the current coach, everybody's like, who is this guy? You know, he didn't have any connections. And I don't mean to bring up Oregon, but he went out Northwest. and But he was the right guy. He was the right guy, right? And that's what's really important. It's who is this, who is this right guy to take this over and bring in the crew and get physical? Big Ten football is physical. It, it's, it's, it's downhill football. And this system has proven that even with talented players, if you're not downhill, eventually it, you're going to get got. Barry, how does got, how does this program get ready for Wisconsin in 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 eight days, with four new offensive c- coaches in air quotes? That, that's really not the bigger problem. That you, I mean, it's dramatic. But listen, this team is at this point in the season. This team is who they are. So you can bring in anybody, but they're going to still, you know, the playbook hasn't changed. And who they are physically and all that stuff, that, that hasn't changed. The, the, the assistants or whoever's coming down, they're not changing anything, right? And the players know their stuff by now. So that's how you get ready. We hope. Right? We hope they yeah, do. Well, I'm just saying, from a player standpoint, you just, you just block it out and you say, we're going to go play Wisconsin. There's somebody that's leading that unit. It's Adrian or whoever the line guy is they're leading. And they're saying, hey – you know, at the end, of the, they're, they're getting to the point, hey, let's just go out and play. Well, let's hope. You know, it, some folks rally yeah. with it. Like, some folks decide, you know, hey, yeah. you know, this frees us up. Um, yes, yes, for know. one game. Yep. For one game. You yep. know, in the NBA, that happens all the time, right? Stars out, somebody comes in, they rally for one game. But over three or four games, right, it starts to get exposed. But they, they can get this. They are who yeah. they are. Barry, it's yes. Thursday. What are we eating? Um, we did something this week. Everybody likes chicken soup. Uh, we went to the Republic of Georgia. There's a dish called Chick Murta, I think is the pronouncer. I can spell it C-H-I-K-H-I-R-T-M-A. Okay. And it's, a, it's, a, it's really a, a meal. Uh, there's about a 45-minute broth that you put together with some different seasonings, but they really work. Uh, three pounds of uh, chicken quarters, uh, Maybe ten quarts of uh, ten cups of water, uh, onion, some peppercorns go in, a little bit of cinnamon, surprisingly, a little coriander, some salt, uh, some red pepper flakes, a little bit of allspice. I think I got that right. In about forty-five minutes, this thing makes this tremendous broth. Uh, you strain it out, take the chicken out, wait till it's cool enough to handle, kind of pick it apart and throw away the bones, and then back into that pot, um, some butter. Carrots, about a pound of carrots, believe it or not. Uh, large onion, you let those go. A little bit of, uh, here's, a, here's a little secret ingredient, vermouth. Nice. About a quarter, yeah, vermouth. It's got great, you let the alcohol burn off. It's got great botanicals in it, some flour. And then at that point, now you're putting that broth back in, right, that you've cooked off and you strain. You put the broth back in. And um, you, you let that go. There's a little bit of lemon juice, fresh lemon juice that goes in the end. And uh, put the chicken back in. It heats up. And then right at the end, you finish this with a quarter cup of fresh dill, the, the, the tops, 
and a quarter cup of cilantro. DP, this is one of the best chicken soups I ever had. I'm sorry, and I missed something, too. One of the finishing touches is actually these egg yolks. There's no cream in this. These egg yolks, and what you have to do with the yolks is you take a little bit of the uh, a little bit of the broth, and you do what's called tempering the eggs, so that when you put them in, they don't cook and become scrambled eggs. You kind of adjust them to the heat. You stir them around. You slowly pour in the thing. The lemon juice goes in there. That mixture goes into the broth, and that makes the soup. It it I, we ate about half the pot. So chicken, it's a, it's a full meal. Uh, our chicken soup, right when we make it, is very chickeny, you know, like chicken, 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 chicken. Mm-hmm. This one, every ingredient that I just described. You can literally taste it in every bite. You can taste the cilantro. You can taste the dill. You can taste the chicken. You can taste the creaminess of it. You can taste whatever the botanicals are in the uh, vermouth. Just a really delightful dish. And uh, so that's what we had. We we said Georgian soup. uh, What does it say? Chicken soup for the Georgian soul. Right. That's. (laughs) Hey, Barry, let them know how they can find you. I know you're going to share that, that, that the video of the soup you made uh, let them know how they can find you and follow you yeah just uh give me a follow on facebook it's right on my facebook page so barry thompson facebook and and uh you'll see that i have mutual friends who will probably include dp mm-hmm. uh, that's where i post it so that for your listeners anytime that i cook something that i haven't made before that's what i post up and so i had never made that dish before and uh, we're working on one tonight when we get off the phones so we'll be ready for next week <sighs> Good stuff, bro. All right, man. A little bit of lemon, a little bit of shrimp, a little bit of basil, a little little risotto. I'm just saying, just lick your chops. It's going to be a night. It's going to be a night. Appreciate you. Love you, brother. All right. Thank you. Love you, too. Thanks for having me. All right. It's Barry Thompson, Fairfax Football Academy. You can follow him on Twitter, VAQB8, VA, Virginia, QB8, number eight, at. And uh, he's there. He's there, and he shares his goodies, and He's always got some good, good football and basketball film on there. Every now and then you get a uh, clip from his brother, uh, who is a head baseball coach at Georgetown University. He's always Edwin's always sharing some good stuff there, too. We'll come back. We'll have the Husker Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman. He'll call in. We'll check in with him, see what's up with the Hall of Famer when we get back to Old School on 93.7 The Ticket. Watch Old School live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Old School with DP and Jay. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.